Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Time Machine. I'm your host, Mac Davis, along <laughs> with my WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Teddy Long. Hey, Teddy. Hey, what's going on, Mac? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. And, of course, uh, with us also is pro wrestling journalist, Mr. Bill Apter. Hey, Bill. I'm so glad to be And, Mac, Mac, I've asked you and Teddy this, but I still can't get the answer. Is, is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. I still get the same answer. You never know. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, right before we went to air, I just came across something that hit the wire. Within the last day here, on a recent Twitter Q&A session, Chris Jericho replied about a dream match. Somebody brought up Chris Jericho versus Sting. And, of course, Teddy, you had mentioned that recently, being a great person for Steen to have a retirement match with would be Chris Jericho. I think we all agreed that would be great. Yeah. Of course, Chris Jericho does not agree. He says, "I it will never happen. I'm not interested. <laughs> Period. <Okay>. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one thing about about Chris, I mean, he he don't you know beat around. I mean, he tells it just like it is. And if he says he's not interested, then he's not interested. Because I just think that you know that that there's a little there's a little bit of money there, and I think that would be something that the fans would like to see. But maybe Chris knows something that all you know that we don't know. So uh, hey, man, it is I, what it is. Uh, Bill, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe Chris has always said since he's been in AEW that his goal was to help the young talent only and not become a nostalgia act. And yeah. that could be part of why maybe he didn't want to do that. But I got to tell you, that really would be a watching match. There. That's a match you'd want to see. You know what? I'm in Chris Jericho's corner on this one. I don't know if I want to see that match. And it's not that Sting can't perform, but I don't think Chris Jericho would be the right person. You know, we all talked for years about the Undertaker versus Sting, yeah. something we all wanted to see. But I'm trying to think now in AEW uh, who the opponent actually would be for Sting's retirement match. And I'm looking in my ticker tape in my head, and I don't see anyone there that would prevent <laughs> present Wait, wait, actual... ticker tape in your head? What the hell yeah, is ticker, tape, ticker in tape in my head? Do you know what ticker... Look it up, fans. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking at the computer in my brain. I got you. Actually, and ticker tape, by the way, is an old thing that the old yeah. newspapers used to use. And I'm an old newspaper magazine guy. Yeah. But I don't... Uh, you know, I'm going down the list of people uh, in my head uh, that would be an excellent match for Sting to finish off with. I don't really see that guy. Do you, Teddy? Well, yeah, that's that's somebody out there. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm kind of like you. I'm you know trying to figure out who would really you know be in that spot. But uh, you know just you know just to really you know to really make it interesting, I'd like to see MJF. Interesting, but I don't know. I I don't know if Sting still has the the phys Well, I guess he did. He's jumping off balconies and. Mm -hmm. Doing that, so well, Sting that, teaching. Well, yeah. that's the that's the thing I was talking about with Jericho. If Sting doesn't have some of this, then Jericho will light him up. He'll put that in him. You know what I mean? Because when yeah. you get in there with Jericho, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got to okay. roll. So the same thing with MJF. If he gets in there with Sting, he's going to bring it to him. So Sting knows he's if he's going to be the man, he's got to keep up, and I think he can keep up. 
Yeah, I, I think that would be a great idea because you, you're only as good, and I learned this, God, back in the 70s from Bobby Shane, the late, great Bobby Shane, you're only as good as you and your opponent can make it. Yeah, brother, I used to watch back in the day. I was refereeing and I, when I first break it in, and I watched Steve, Dr. Dev William, God rest his soul, and Road Warrior Hawk, rest his soul, in singles, and I ripped. Brother, those guys beat the hell out of each other. I yes. mean, they worked, you know what I mean, and had the greatest matches of all time. So because one, they, they knew, you know, hey, I got to go here. I can't slack here tonight. I'm in here with a guy that if I start slacking, he's going to whoop my ass. So that's that's the mentality now that you really need in the wrestling business, you know what I mean? And I think guys like MJF and Chris Jericho, they got that type of attitude. Well, you also have, you know, a methodical in-ring wrestler like uh, uh, Brian Danielson there, uh, who basically, you know, would do the trade hold to hold with Sting and then. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be somebody uh, with name caliber like that, I believe, if it's going to be Sting's last match. Um, and, and MJF would be one of those names, too, because, of course, that's the champion. So why wouldn't you want to wrestle the champion? Uh, but if it has to be somebody outside the young talent of AEW, yeah, yeah, I, I really don't know. The only thing I can see is maybe Darby turning on Sting and having a, a match against Sting. But I think they've tried to build Darby as a huge babyface so far. Yeah, but that's a great idea. That's a great idea because originally when Sting came into AEW, Remember, he confronted Darby yep. Allen. Yep. So maybe they need to go back to that with Sting saying, look, I've looked after you so, so much time, and I don't think you've gotten to the point I want you. I need to teach you a lesson. So I've got one more match left in me, and it's got to be against you. I think that's a fabulous idea. All right. Let me tell you about something that uh, would hurt my pocket. I don't know about either one of you two. But By the, the way, the loser, the loser loses his makeup. Ooh. Can you can we move on? Ooh. <laughs> Teddy doesn't like that idea. <laughs> the XFL is said to have lost $60 million this year. But the owner, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, says no big deal. He's been playing a long game with the XFL, and he expects that they will actually net $100 million in the next year. Thoughts on the loss in the XFL, guys? Well, I ain't, ain't too much I can speak on it. I, you know, I don't really keep up with that. And I, I don't even really think I've watched any of the games. I've just looked at them briefly. So, like I said, that's uh, quite a bit of money to lose. But, you know, uh, in the long run, you know, some of that's kind of like a tax write-off too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, we we really don't know what's, like I said, what's really going on. So, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with them. But I hope they be successful uh the the programming and stuff I, the little bit that i've seen they really look good you know on tv so i i hope it works i mean you need another league you know i think the nfl does need some competition so well, i think it's just know. like wrestling i mean wrestling needs competition and so does all other sports really yeah yeah exactly yeah. you notice that on the wwe shows on i think it's on fox or one of the two stations they don't promote the xfl at all it's all the usfl or whatever else they're promoting there but uh yeah i mean i wish him good luck too this is something you know he played football before he got into wrestling yep. as we know so uh he's got a lot of money and i hate to put this pun in but he might be just doing this for kicks 
Well, it may not just be him. It may not be just be him too. You know, there may be some backers too that we don't know about. Yeah, so, I think course. Disney is involved somewhat, and uh, there was. I think there may be two or three names that are involved with him in that XFL. And if they all went in knowing they're going to lose money in the first year, this is no big shock to him. In fact, I think the $60 million was lower than what they projected they would lose in the first year. So they're actually doing better than they thought. And I think it's by 20 or $30,000 million. Maybe that was the difference. So yeah. they've actually, you know, I would say it's a win for them this season. Next year is going to be the telling sign, though. If they do that again next year, I don't know. And, of course, Dwayne lost also uh, just recently, I read, where the uh, project with NBC now has come to an end. Young uh, Rock. Yeah, yeah, Young Rock is no longer uh, a program that we'll be able to catch. That was a good show for the first few seasons, but i got to be honest. How far can you take that story? I mean, once you get through the WWF or WWE, the rest of us, a little bit about his movie career, so what? But I, I was more into who he was, how he came up, and the family. And I think they gave every bit of that to us already. They did. They did. One one of the things, by the way, I want to go back to the XFL is I don't know what the business plan was, but Vince McMahon lost a ton of money on that. So I don't know if when that was on the table, how smart it was to look at that business plan and say, I can make money with this. He was not really, Dwayne wasn't really the face of it. I saw very, very little promotion for the XFL. Did you, Teddy? Uh, no, I didn't see none really at all. I didn't. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, not seeing much promotion about something. I want to bring something up real fast. Um, you know, with CM Punk making his debut coming up uh, in uh, Chicago, actually in just several days from now of today's recording, I haven't seen a whole lot of publicity when it comes to CM Punk's return. Well, um, like I said, I don't really watch AEW, uh, so I wouldn't know anything about whether they've been promoting him on there or not. So, And then for social media, I, I do keep up with, with that a little bit, but I'm like you. I haven't seen any advertisement no. either. I think no, the I word is out there with the CM Punk fans and the AEW fans on social media, et cetera. I think everybody knows that they're anticipating uh, CM Punk with this happening at this point. Uh, I've seen some promotions, some publicity for it, but I think the fans of the AEW already know that it's coming and they know it's happening and they're psyched. But you need more than just those people. You need uh, people who may not have been tuning into AEW recently because of what happened at that press conference a year ago. And maybe they need to be told, hey, he's back on AEW, and it's going to be this Saturday night on, I, I can't, was it TBS, I guess they're going to? Is that right, Bill? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so they're going to TBS. I would think TBS would be saying, hey, CM Punk, CM well, Punk. Because TBS or TNT, I'm, I'm not sure. I just would think that that network would be showing some type of promotion. It just seems really kind of quiet, which is odd to me. That's well, just a, that's just something I noticed recently. I didn't, it wasn't even part of our conversation today. I just, no, but what's very shocking is that usually they buy time on some of the WWE shows, like here in Philadelphia area, hmm. and there was nothing during Raw about it at all. It's just it's just something smells funny. I, that's just me. Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist in wrestling. But <laughs> All right, look here. Smell what the Rock is cooking. That was the other story. <laughs> it was 25 years ago, Teddy, that you signed with WWE, 
And uh, I'm curious, what made you want to go to WWE? I know you were in WCW for a period of time, but if I'm not mistaken, you left there maybe a year or two before you went to WWE, right? Well, when I left WCW, uh, I came home for a while, and uh, I guess, I don't know, I may have been home for five or six months or something like that. And uh, I just got a call one day uh, from Jim Ross. Jim Ross was already in WWE, and uh, he was in charge of Tyler Relations. And so Jim Ross called me and uh, said they wanted to bring me up. And, uh, you know, and he said, well, he said, you know, you're going to have to go all the way back to the bottom. You got to start, you know, they'll bring you in as a rep. You know, I'm like, well, hey, I don't care about doing all that, you know, because I had managed, you know, so many big stars, you know, Taker and Doom and all those guys. So it was like a step down. But, you know, that's part of the test in this business. So, you know, I didn't worry about me. And it's all about a check. So so I had a job. So I went in there in 1998 and I started refereeing. And uh, after I started refereeing there, then I come to find out that uh, John Laurinaitis was in charge then too, you know, that uh, he set me up and I went to Hawaii and I did uh, a referee to match in Hawaii. I think it was with uh, Christian and somebody, I can't remember. Oh, Christian and uh, Ed, I mean, not Ed, uh, Tess, God rest his soul. And, uh, so what I did, I went and made the count one, two, you know, and so Kristen, uh, might have been Tess, I'm not sure, but one of the guys didn't kick out. So I went on down to three. So then they tried to say that I screwed the finish up. So John Johnny fired me, but I had the opportunity to see Tess before he died. And he said, hey man, he said, they set you up. He said, I didn't know that they was trying to get me, you know, to get to help, help them to fire you. Tess told me that to my right hand to God. And uh, so then that way I came home and I stayed home. And uh, so uh, one day I got a call from uh, Laurinaitis and, uh, you know, he wasn't real thrilled, you know, he's just real dry with the cold conversation. And uh, he said they wanted to bring me back and so to come in as a manager. So then I got back and I found out that the people that were responsible for that was Sergeant Slaughter, Earl Hebner and Michael Hayes. They were the ones that talked to Vince and told Vince what I could do you know, and, and to bring me in as a manager. And so that's when I went back and I went back to Providence, Rhode Island. And I walked out in Providence, Rhode Island with uh, D'Lo Brown, the first guy. And I cut this promo on Tommy Dreamer. And I remember coming back in the up the ramp and I come back through the curtain where Vince was. And he looked up and he said to me, he said, I can't believe I've had you here right under my nose all this time. Wow, that's great. Very that's cool. Great. You Let know, me ask you, go ahead. Very few people re- remember or even know that John Laurinaitis was the brother of uh, Road, Roar- Road Warrior Animal. A lot of people yep. didn't know that, even people in the business. Yeah, I didn't know that for a long time. I, I did find out after a period of time, but it was a shock when I first heard because I was like, what? what? <laughs> so, but, uh, let me, Teddy, let me ask you, when you first got into WWE, what was your first match? Do you remember? Because the one that comes to mind that I remember seeing you in, and it was early on, was the Owen Hart match. Um, Oh, that wasn't the first match I had. That wasn't the first one. Okay. Okay. For some reason, that's when I first remember seeing you back in. Maybe I'm forgetting something. But I know that when you were in there with the Owen Hart death, that had to be. 
yeah, something then, that you know I was you know I was in the one with Darren Drozdov too you know him and D'Lo yeah. when D'Lo yeah. dropped him dropped him on his head I was I was a referee of that match you know and he he was paralyzed right after that. Mm. Mm. When did Teddy? When did um? And I never knew this and I never asked this, but you're the right person to ask. When did ref referees start wearing an earpiece so they could be? talked to by events or back in the day with Ole Anderson or whatever. When did that start taking place? Um, I guess, man, probably late 80s or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think when I first went to Vince in uh, 1998, you know, the guys had the earpieces and WCW was slowly getting them. I believe they got them just as I was leaving. But uh, they. Well, what did them. you do before that? What'd you do before that? Oh, well, uh, J.J. Dillon was always the guy. Like, when it was time to go home, J.J. would always come out and walk out, and he would have a pencil in his hand, and he would hold that pencil up. And you'd look at look for J.J., and when you saw J.J., you know, you would know tell the guys, you know, it was time to go home. Um, we uh, WWE, well, WWE, when I first got there, I think they had the pieces, but I remember uh, some of the referees, Tim White, Garrett, so they were telling me that, Jack Lanza used to be the guy. He would always walk out with a newspaper in his hand. And when you saw Jack, you knew it was it was time to go home. I never knew that. You I didn't either. Walk. And I'm, I'm thinking, so every time a match would end, one of them would walk out and have a pencil or a newspaper to let you know it's time to go home, huh? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Guys. Then you, uh, would, convey, then you would convey it to the, uh, to the wrestlers. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Guys, uh, Teddy and I, we had the opportunity to talk about this last week. Bill, you were. Uh, this was the day after we recorded last week, but we lost uh, one of wrestling's greatest icons, especially when it comes to a great heel, the Iron Sheik. Bill, do you have any memories of the Iron Sheik? Oh, yes, absolutely. He Every time he'd see me, he'd give me a hug. He'd say, Bill Opter, smartest Jewish man I ever know. He was great with me. Anytime I wanted to do an interview with him, he was always animated. Uh, <laughs> he never spoke badly about anyone. But on YouTube, if you look up um, a video I did that uh, Bill After and Iron Sheik talk about Hanukkah, and I said to Iron oh, Sheik, yeah. I said, what, is, what does uh, Hanukkah mean to you, Iron Sheik? Hanukkah means I can beat Hulk Hogan. Well, he right away, he never lost that thing with, with Hulk, no matter what you would do, you would talk about the presidency of the United States, anything. Hulk Hogan, I can still beat him. He was wonderful to me. And one of the people that I really, that I talked to and I felt so bad with was uh, the guy that brought him to all the conventions, Elliot, uh, Eric Sims. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Eric took very good care, care of him to make sure he got uh, uh, paid at all the conventions and all that and brought him to the conventions and kept us uh, seeing the Iron Sheik. He was absolutely a warm and wonderful person to me. Yeah, I, I know that Eric was uh, his manager that you were talking about. He took a, uh, the brunt of the Iron Sheik when he wasn't happy in a lot of videos I've yeah. seen. So, yeah, <laughs> poor Eric. But, uh, Teddy, I know you knew uh, the Iron Sheik very well. I know he was very close with your wife. Uh, any stories you can tell us? Uh, <laughs> man, I, it's a million stories. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just got one good one, a real quick one. Uh, I mean, when, <laughs> one time I was in the Atlanta airport, and so uh, he sees me, and I'm hearing somebody, ah, oh, Godfather, Godfather, and so I knew it's him. <laughs> 
so I turn around, so I go back to see him. So he's in a wheelchair now. So he's got this guy that's pushing him in this wheelchair. So the guy's trying to tell him, no, we can't stop and talk. Um, you got to get to your gate. You have to go. So he turns around. He just starts ripping this guy. Yeah. You don't have to tell. Oh, he just ripped right into him. So <laughs> I, I'm like, Sheik, you got to go. He's got to let you go. So finally, I walk away. So the guy's pushing him, and he's steady ripping him, brother. And the <laughs> next thing I know, I walk, and I turn around. I look. I see it's Sheik. He's coming back down and he's pushing his own wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy, how much did those Persian clubs weigh and did you ever try it? No, I never did try it. I could never even pick them up. Man. They those were 75 things, pounds a piece. Yeah, those things were heavy, man. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of it was it was really the wrist. That's where your power had to be to handle those things. And if you had a good, strong grip and a wrist, you could do it. Anybody else? <laughs> it just ain't going to happen. Think about Think about his placement in the history of the wrestling business. The guy that made Hulkamania, even though Hulkamania mm -hmm. was hot, he made it the hottest because he was yes. the perfect foil for Hulk Hogan. And then the feud with Sergeant Slaughter and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I mean, it was just a whole era in his partnership with Nikolai Volkov. We could never have that kind of heat from a heel like ever again, in my opinion. Yeah. Teddy and I actually discussed that on road trip last week is that uh, it, it's, it's more difficult today to do what you could do back then, because back then it could be America versus, you know, uh, Japan, China, Russia, yeah. you, know, you know, whatever you want to say. Nowadays, if you try to pull that off, you're going to upset a lot of people oh, yeah. and probably yeah. get, you know, canceled or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I wish that we weren't in that kind of an era because uh, I, I think that hurts uh, our sport a little bit because reality is reality. And uh, that, like I told Teddy last week and we talked about it then, that's the foundation of wrestling is good is. versus evil. Yeah. And uh, cowboys versus Indians. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's, that's what the world is today. And look at what we're living in. Yep. Good versus evil. That's exactly how we live in the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill real quick. I, 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 you were talking about interviewing the iron Sheik, and I know the Sheik has a, uh, a mouth on him. Yeah. How did you, because I know you won't produce a lot of things with that kind of language. Did he work with you with that? Did you tell him, please try to be calm when you give these interviews no, and don't no, use the no, F-bomb? No, I no. never threw anybody in. No. no. You can't tell him. him that. That's the worst thing in the world to do is yeah. tell him. Well, I, I just wonder, how did you get those interviews? But but he's not. But he also doesn't use that language with you as much as I noticed in the interviews. He seems like he's a lot more polite than he is in a lot of other interviews. Yes, but there are some interviews that I probably have on uh, old VHS uh, videos, like a time where I was with him in the gym and he was cursing everybody out. So yeah, that, that's- That's, that's what he's funny to me, so. <laughs> what always got me though, is when people talk about the Sheik, they, they, the, the, the correlation between he and the original yep, Sheik, yep. Sabu's uncle, uh, they were, almost so much in the same character, but the original Sheik, and Teddy, I know you know this, he never let anyone know he spoke English. He would go into telephone booths to get away from people, to make phone calls, to talk to people he knew, knew. but he kept his gimmick 24-7, like Sabu did as well. Well, that's the way it was taught in the in the in the old days. You know what I mean? That's how you drew money. You know what I mean? You 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 stayed who who you were. You didn't break kayfabe. 
So, Never. you know, I guess with the world changing and we, we've come more with entertainment now, you know, it's being accepted now as entertainment. Yeah. I, I wish it was back to the old cafe because yeah. too many, when yeah. I go to the matches currently, too many of the fans laugh at the bad guys when it used to be like, Ugh. You know, yeah, you, you know, I was watching after the uh, Iron Sheik passed away. I went back and started watching some of his old matches. And I, we probably all did that at some point or another in the last week. But I pulled up the boot camp match, uh, oh. Sergeant Slaughter and Iron oh. Sheik. And look here, that's just great stuff. And the fans are nothing like the fans of today. They're two totally different animals. Back then, the fans watched and they believed and they got themselves so involved in what was happening. And you could see it on their faces. They were having a good time. But man, let me tell you, the smoky atmosphere, the beer, all of that, just the old days of wrestling, I really miss those crowds. You know what? I'll tell you a good story, too. One time, me and Jimmy Valiant, Boogie Woogie Man, we were standing outside this locker room in Waterloo, uh, South Carolina. Walt, no, Walterboro, South okay. Carolina. And this kid walked up to us. He's about 15 years old, maybe 15, 16. And he walks up and he says, uh, hey, he spoke to us and he said, Jimmy Valiant, he, says, he said, wrestling's fake, ain't it? And back then, Jimmy told us, yeah, yeah, it's fake. He looked right back at Jimmy Valiant and told, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I've had that. Yeah. The other thing is there are two things that changed the fan. The first thing was ECW because the fan became one of these people that were the people that were involved in the show. Before that, you never heard, you effed up, you effed up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second part was Vince McMahon saying we are entertainment because they didn't want to pay the state athletic commission taxes. So they wanted to be an entertainment thing. So those are the two things in my opinion that changed the fans. But, but, and both of you know, this, there are still independent pockets yes. where those fans go to those matches and those fans will drink beer and do everything and believe what went on without question. That's one of the reasons why I love independent wrestling, because you do get some of those old school fans who still show up, uh, the old ladies with the canes who will rack you on the uh, shin bone as you walk by because they don't like you. Uh, you know, they, they, or if you're a face, they'll come up to you. Are you eating well? I got some cookies I made for you. All yes. those little things. It, it just it does throw back to the old days. And that's why I love independent wrestling. But, hey, guys, uh, real quick, we're about to run out of time. I want to bring up something that Kurt Angle uh, had made a comment about recently. Kurt Angle, in a recent interview, said that Charlotte Flair is the best wrestler in the world right now. He says, quote, listen, I love Charlotte Flair. I think she's the best of all time. I actually think she's the best wrestler in the world overall. I really do. I think Charlotte Flair has had more consistent five-star matches than any other person. She is really, really good. Thoughts on uh, putting Charlotte Flair over like that? Wow. Well, that's hard. That, that's a hard thing to answer because back in the day, and I keep saying back in the day, and Teddy, you will probably agree with me in this, uh, that best wrestler in the world was wrestling five nights a week. Um, so it's a different, maybe I didn't expect Bill to go there, but he did. So. Yeah, why not? Why not? Oh, I'm glad you did because that's something that I agree with. I, I, I think Charlotte is an incredible talent and a hell of a wrestler, but she's kind of like Roman Reigns. I don't see her that much. Can you do it every night? Woo! Like the nature boy. 
<laughs> I agree. And I think doing it every night makes you better. Uh, you know, it's just repetition in the ring makes them better. That's one of the areas that AEW has the biggest problem in. They only get in the ring once, maybe twice a week. Uh, and that's not all the talent. So they're, unless they're running an indie show, there's not a re- enough repetitions in there to make you better. Teddy, what do you think? Well, we have to understand now, you know, the way the business has changed, you know, it doesn't require you to wrestle every night. You know what I mean? You know, back in the day, that's what you had to do, you know, to make money. You know, you had to make a living, plus you had to help the company make a living. So you had to bump each and every night. You know what I mean? So she's just lucky to come along in an era where she doesn't have to, you know, go through all that punishment on her body. But I agree with you guys. She's a great wrestler, great athlete, oh, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. she, she she comes, you know, it's in her genes, as, yeah. as, as so to speak. So uh, I think, like I said, I'm, I agree with Curry. I don't think she's the greatest wrestler in the world, but she's certainly a great athlete. And like I said, Bill, if she can go every night, you know, that would, you know, would kind of let us know. And I think she could go every night if, if she had to. Yeah, well, you know, her father went at it every night. So. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not the talking 60 minute man. Wrestling gang. Yes. Yeah. So. You know, one of the uh, th- when I was thinking about this and I saw that what he said about Charlotte Flair, I kept thinking, okay, a dream match for Charlotte Flair of anybody, any wrestler in the world, because she's supposed to be the best wrestler oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Kenny Omega and Charlotte Flair. I would, that would be good, but I would love in her prime, Charlotte Flair, who is in her prime against Medusa, Alundra Blaze. Wouldn't have been a better match anywhere. I, I'm not sure Alundra would have. Um, they're two different styles. So I, I, maybe so. Maybe so. I, I'm thinking that I'd like to see somebody who would really test Charlotte. I'm not sure that Medusa was. Medusa was not as much of the high flyer. And no, but she was technically she had that Japanese style. Yeah, yeah. Which I think would be great with her and uh, Flair in the same ring. That's just my opinion. Teddy, what do you think? Um. Man, I just don't know. I really don't know. Because um, there's so many out there now, you know what I mean, that we wish would could come back oh, you yeah. know, and, and, and make an appearance in the ring. But, you know, like with Medusa, we don't know whether she really wants to come back again or not. But, uh, you know, I don't know why. I always keep Lita on my mind, you know, and I'm just saying, you know, and I think that would be good, you know, Lita and Charlotte play. I think that would be a hell of a match. Agreed. Yeah, they've got to do something with Charlotte. And I'm sure one of the reasons we do not see her as much as we see some of the other talent is because there's only so much talent that really she can work with. Um, And I think that's a problem that they have right now. They need to continue to bring people in or bring them up uh, that look like they could be a force to reckon, you know, when it comes to Charlotte Flair. Well, brother, they got a lot of people on that roster. And they got, you know what I mean? So you can easily get caught up in the shuffle. (laughs) By the way, I want to bring something up that we didn't have on the docket here, Mm -hmm. but uh, we got a press release from WWE today. Uh, We're all wondering about Drew McIntyre. Is he staying with them? And WWE sent out a press release that he's going to be going to uh, Germany uh, to help host the uh, Special Olympics. So obviously he is still under the banner of WWE. Very good. Some late breaking news there. Guys, that's it. We're out of time. Everybody doing good? Everybody doing good. We need need some more time. (laughs) By the way, Teddy, you've got a show coming up this uh, coming weekend. Tell us about it. Uh, Captain's Corner. What's what's that name on I sent you? Uh, Captain's Corner. Captain's Corner and he Legends. It's in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. I'll be Mm -hmm. there uh, Saturday and Sunday for a big uh, meet and greet. 
along with uh, Kurt Angle, Lex Luger, and uh, a lot of other superstars. So that's uh, what was it, Mac? That's that's this weekend, Saturday. I know. What's the name of that place again? Why are you asking me? <laughs> Captain's <laughs> Corner, like Captain Lou Albano, brother. Okay, Captain's Corner and, and Heroes Hideout, something like that. It's a Captain's Corner Hideout or something. <laughs> Heroes okay. Hideout, Captain's Corner. Okay, I, all right. Heroes Hideout, Captain's Corner. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's got it right. <laughs> On Saturday and Sunday, players. <laughs> yeah, it's the Wrestling Classic 3, uh, and it starts at 11 o'clock in the morning at the South End Community Center on Marble Street in Springfield, Mass. So, well, thank you. you. Thank hey, you so much. <laughs> anything I could do to help out. Guys, I that's it. it. I, I, I need it. <laughs> Bill, you have anything coming up we need to talk about? July 1st, I will be at uh, Icons of Wrestling in Philadelphia. Can't wait for that. And, uh, before that, I will be covering all oh, everything going on on TV and bringing you the news right here on uh, Sports Kita. And don't forget, my book is still available. And is wrestling fixed? That's I know. I, I didn't know it was broken. Yeah, well, you can get that on uh, you can get that on Amazon. So take a look out. And uh, got a lot of good news coming in the next few weeks about the possibility of a, uh, a not a second edition of my book but kind of like uh, something else to go beside it. Big, big, possible big news coming soon. I ah, got a little tease there. By yeah. the way, you can catch me. I'll be at the uh, grand opening of the Dollar General and uh, right down the road here next week sometime. Other where than that, the, where, where where you, wait, wait a minute. What are you doing at the Dollar General? <laughs> I'm just where? Being, I'm just making shit up. <laughs> where is the Dollar General? <laughs> if what you town? can't find a Dollar General in the South, then you ain't looking because it's on about every damn corner you go to. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on, it's, on, it's on Rock Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> right, next to the, right next to the Waffle House <laughs> Guys, I'm out of here I hope everybody has a great time We'll see you again next week I'm Mac Davis, that is WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long And that is pro wrestling journalist Mr. Bill After we'll the matches. Yeah. That's it That was good right. that was, I love this free-flowing thing that we do it's so much fun. It really is. And it's getting hits. So that's what matters.